Hello and welcome to episode four of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. My name is Thomas. And I'm Jordan. And we are a weekly One Piece podcast dedicated to discussing that week's anime episode, manga chapter when there is one, as well as any news that came out that past week, and until we have re-caught up with the series, a reread section where we discuss, in this case, an additional 15 chapters of the manga. This week we'll be discussing anime episode 959, no manga chapter this week, returns on January 31st, and we'll be recapping manga chapters 31 through 45. Anything you'd like to uh, say, Jordan, before we begin the anime discussion? No, nothing before we hop into the anime. I'm actually pretty uh, excited for this discussion. So, In that case, I'll let you start. What you got for us this week? Uh, well, okay. I mean, right off the bat, I was happy that they didn't have, like, well, I think last week we said there was like a five or six minute recap before anything happened. Yeah, I think there was a little bit of, like, reminder-ish stuff, like the gym based stuff towards the end. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, there wasn't, like, like a lengthy, oh, this is what happened last episode type deal right. like they typically do. I mean, all the stuff with Roger's crew was, it was interesting to see the dynamic of that crew. We haven't seen too much of that up until now. But also, there is a man that I saw in one of the group shots where the crew is all cheersing to Odin. He has a fisherman's hat blue hair, a handlebar mustache, a Hawaiian shirt with no undershirt, and striped <laughs> pants. Nothing but this man and his story matters to me anymore. Uh, I also noticed that man, and I was positive that you were going to bring him up. <laughs> Who is he? Tell me his story, please. Too bad. It's a mystery and will probably never be expanded on. I do want to talk more about Roger's crew, because there were some interesting nuggets in there. But before that, let's cut back to the uh, opening, actually. Do you actually still skip those during your weekly watch-throughs? I did this week. I don't always. Should I not have? In this case, perhaps you should not have, because there was actually a bit of a change-up in this week's opening. It wasn't, like, game-breaking or anything. They actually changed a lot of the Straw Hats color schemes in the opening this week to match the colored manga from the... Uh, cover pages that Oda's put out recently. Oh. So, for example, previously, Zoro has been wearing his, like, old green, like, robe thing he's been wearing since Fishman Island. Mm -hmm. In this opening, it was changed to be a black one instead to match the manga colors. Luffy's normal uh, blue pants with that yellow sash thing that he wears was changed to orange with a purple sash. Frankie's shoulders changed color a little bit. They just went from, like, Blue shoulders with red to just red and white. Law's color scheme changed from uh, white with a black coat to a yellow shirt with a blue coat. And even Jimbei changed from a uh, blue cape thing over his uh, yellow kimono to a purple cape over his more yellow kimono. To try to sneak in <laughs> those subtle little changes. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. I actually do like these changes because it did kind of bother me. From the hop, that Luffy was just wearing his same outfit that he always wears, except with a captain's coat over it. And same thing with Zoro, when everyone else got a costume change. Yeah, that is a little weird. Just changing the color doesn't accomplish much in my head, but uh, still counts. Yeah, it's something. Back to what you were saying about uh, Roger's crew. 
You remember that bit, like, pretty early on in the Roger sequence, where they, like, flash to, like, five specific members of the Roger Pirates? Yep. When I was going through that the first time, I noticed Rayleigh, Crocus, Scopper Caban, and then two guys that I didn't know the names of at the time. I was also confused as to why those five specifically were shown. I'm glad you did the extra research. I kind of figured you would just know, <laughs> but... I actually didn't this time. Uh, I was on Reddit a little bit ago. I'm sorry, I don't have the person's name in front of me, but someone did a little diagram. And apparently the two extra people, their names were recently revealed in SBS. So the fish man that they showed, his name is Sunbell, and the long-haired guy, his name is Spencer. Spencer, huh? Indeed. I assume they have to be kind of the core members of the Roger Pirate, because why else would they specifically have names or be shown in this episode? Yeah, yeah. Aside from their names, we don't know anything about them. Well, I mean, how much do we really know about the other people on that crew anyway, you know? Outside of the couple people I just listed, pretty much nothing. Exactly. So this is not surprising to me. Remember that little bit where Crocus and Roger were kind of giving each other the old what for? Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed that. I was not expecting to get that little, little tidbit of the crew life. Do you think this means Crocus is Roger level in terms of strength? No. <laughs> Like, no, not not at all. They were both drunk. Just a flat no. It's the, it's the same thing as, like, how Nami can hurt Luffy with a karate chop. It's exaggeration for the effect of storytelling. I can't believe you feel this way. Do you think that he's Roger Levels? No, of course I don't, but... Okay, good. I've seen this discourse going around. That's silly to me, and it should be put to rest. Like, even with the Nami thing, I've seen people genuinely believe that Nami has hockey because she can hurt Luffy in those gag moments. Get out of town. These are real people who believe these things. <sighs> okay, well, I mean, I'm... I disagree. They're allowed to think <laughs> what they want, I guess, but I disagree. And that's pretty much the end of it. What'd you think about a buggy getting offended over being called Jiro, the second son? I thought he was right to be offended. You know that I'm a big buggy fan. He deserves better than that. But at least it was not a comment on his nose. Yeah, I don't think Odin would have got off quite as easy as he did if he had made a comment about his nose. Oh yeah, Odin would have been done for. This story <laughs> would not be happening. After Buggy makes this comment about not appreciating being called the second son, Odin vows to open the borders. Something on this trip that he took with Roger reaffirmed his belief that the borders of Wano should be open. So that's fascinating. I've grown to like Odin more and more the more that I see him. He had the adventurer spirit and he acted on it and he seems to have learned and grown from it. And he wants to take that back and kind of... Not necessarily fix a wrong that he had done, but certainly fix a wrong that is within his power to fix. It does seem that way. Why do you think Toei has this insistence upon keeping Odin's face like silhouetted when they have already shown it in the opening? I was wondering the same thing. They don't have any problem with silhouetting another character in the, in the same opening. That's true. It's just Odin, and they've silhouetted people in the opening in the past, and they've updated the opening later when uh, those characters have been properly revealed. It's just Odin. Yeah, I don't like, know. Here he is, but not in the real episode. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe 
something happened on the journey with Whitebeard and now he looks different? Uh, don't know about that, but could be. That's, I mean, what else could it be? Toei being silly is what I'm going to chalk it up to. That usually works. <laughs> so I think that about covers the Gold Roger Odin stuff. Then the curtain literally opens on Act 3 of Wano. We're back in the thick of it. Oh yeah, this is the thick of the thick of it. That's true. We see uh, Orochi leaving for Onigashima from Habu, the uh, original rendezvous spot, before uh, Yasue made that adjustment to their flyer, which I thought was strange. Uh, strange how? Well, not strange, but I suppose it is convenient that they ended up changing location anyway, because if they had not, they would have been leaving from the same port as Orochi, which would have created problems. That's true, and I believe even in the episode, they stated that it was, like, at the same time when explaining the weather differences, so... Indeed. That is odd. Not great original plan in there, uh, Kinemon. <laughs> Good thing your plan went to shit and had to be changed at the last second. <laughs> Sometimes you get lucky. Quite. And then as he's leaving, Orochi says there's going to be 30,000 guests at the fire Festival in, uh... The main party on Onidashima? He did say that. And, I mean, it is... It's both Kaido's and his armies. But wasn't this after we were shown that he had already started drinking? Uh, yes. Do you think he might have been exaggerating the number? I think so. I think he was in a certain mood. And he likes to boast. And, you know, he's up on his high horse. And he just... Hyperbolized it. That could be. I mean, I'm sure that Kinemon has already said in the past what the exact number is of enemies they're going to have to face. But I don't think it was as high as 30,000. That seems ludicrously high. <laughs> 30,000 is a lot. They're going in with like less than a sixth of the forces that the enemy has, if that is the case. Yeah, I think that if it were even close to 30,000, they would be in severe trouble. Quite so. Now, granted, there was that time that Luffy single-handedly knocked out, I think, 50,000 people on Fishman Island, which is his hockey. So maybe 30,000 isn't really that much to sneeze at, that they're mostly scrubs. But we don't really know. Sure, I guess not. But these type of things do happen in our history as well. Like, there is well-documented stuff of small groups taking out the bigger numbers. That's true. And I think, historically speaking, those people had hockey as well. So we're on the right track. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but then we cut to the new rendezvous spot, Tokage Port, where there is a huge storm, like a ludicrously large storm, and no allies there. It's just our, I think there's like nine of them in total, including Momonosuke and Shinobu. The drastic change in like mood and atmosphere between these two scenes it's just it hit really pretty hard because it's a very emotional scene Indeed. um and you go from this just huge celebration full of bright cheerful colors to as you said this storm that is just beyond belief in size and you you get drawn into it you feel kinemon's pain Indeed. for sure and kinemon time it hasn't really been that long but since odin had died and they had come to the future and all that. It had been like a matter of months for Kinemon. But for some of the people there, it's been literally 20 years 
that this operation has been in motion. So I'm surprised that Kinemon is the one that got hit as hard when Inuarashi and uh, Ashura Doji, they had to wait it out the long way around. Yeah, I, you make a good point. I mean, they they definitely went through a lot more, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they had also, well, no. Well, I was going to say they had given up until recently, but I don't think that was all that recent. Well, in the case of Ashura Doji, he had kind of given up until, like, after Yashui had died. After he, like, led that group shortly after Odin was killed. And most of those guys died as well. But you would think that in a way, that might make it worse. Because, like, mm-hmm. he already had no hope. Pinamon shows back up and gives him a little glimmer. And then in a matter of days, it's gone again. They're screwed. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they all should be sobbing. But also we do see... Uh, yeah, because we do see Inuarashi, like, hurry over to a boat. And it looks like it's in bad shape. But he tries to convince them that they can use it and take it, like... They are all definitely dedicated to this, and they're just reacting in different ways, I guess. That's true. You know, Rashi's like, all right, we're already here. We're not going to get a better opportunity than this, I suppose. It's do or die time. Right. And I wonder how they all plan to get in that boat when Inu Arashi and uh, Ashura Doji, at least, are large, yeah. for sure. But yeah. uh, they'll squeeze in. They'll get cozy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a fun time. <laughs> yeah. After we find out just how bummed Kinemon is about this. We rewind two days prior, where frankly, there's not that much new pertinent information. We get some more plan details about where specific people are going to be, what they're going to be doing in those two days. And Zoro slices a second cliff face, (laughs) I guess. I thought it was nice to see some of the group dynamics that have been absent for a little bit. Like, it was nice to see Robin call Brooke and Chopper and Luffy cute and bug-like with their armor on. like. And they were so offended. Well, offended, <laughs> but then also just like, oh, you also said cute? Which is, <laughs> it's fun. And, you know, the rivalry between Zoro and Sanji is always good to see. It's not, it's not progressing the plot, no, but it's still, it's still core One Piece. I agree with you. I just don't see why this bit couldn't have happened before Act 2 ended when we were already talking about this stuff. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'll agree with that. Like, why did we cut back to this stuff when we could have just had this stuff two episodes prior? Yeah. Whatever, before Act 2 started. I don't know. Pacing? Who who can say? Now, we also find out that, uh, and this was also hinted out earlier in this episode, that uh, the Night of the Fire Festival is going to be a full moon. And if they're lucky, assuming it's not cloudy or some other unfortunate weather condition, every single mink there who is trained will be able to go into their Sulon forms. That's a big deal. Yeah, a lot of them seemed pretty confident in the fact that they would be able to Sulon should the conditions allow it. So Those three that they were talking to in particular were like Inuarashi's main three dudes. So it makes a lot of sense that they would be able to go Sulon at least. Oh, of course. I don't know how... how common of an ability, like if most powerful minks have the ability to do it. But I'd assume so. They're like on the main fighting force and they should be able to do it. Right. I would agree. It's It would seem like a waste to be a mink and not reach that potential. Plus, like, it seems like they were trying to set up Carrot as like a less experienced mink combatant. 
Sure, Pedro took a personal interest in her, but she seems younger than most of the fighters and thus less experienced. So she can do it with great success. I would imagine that among mink fighters, at least, it should be a fairly commonplace ability. Yeah, I hope so. Then Luffy comments, hey, Big Mom is here. I left Jinbei to fend off Big Mom. Where the heck is Jinbei? That same question has been asked for a while in this series. But I think Zoro is right when he says, yeah, as long as he's alive, he's going to show up. <laughs> this is Jinbei we're talking about. He's kind of been reliable, you know? That's true. A nice, hearty man, that Jinbei. He blocked an attack from Big Mom once, you know. Strongest man alive. Probably. Well, <laughs> fish man. Uh, I don't think the qualifier was needed, but yes. <laughs> uh, then we cut back to the Leftovers town. I would ever get the name of the place. But they just got a delivery from uh, Ushimitsu Kozo, the witching hour boy, even though Yashui's dead. Guess he wasn't actually uh, the witching hour boy, like he said he was. What a dirty liar. It was also a big delivery. Yeah, there was so much cash. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I haven't seen the previous scene recently, but if they've been getting that much every time, they're doing all right, probably. I think so. Now, we don't know, like, how much a gold coin gets you. Like, maybe inflation is a pretty serious problem in Wano. <laughs> sure. We also don't know how many people are in that town. That's true, but there were, like, a lot of gold coins. <laughs> there were so many crates of coins. Then unrelated to that, seemingly, Hold'em is investigating food theft going on. And uh, Suru, Kinemon's wife, is covering for her. Because we know that that food was stolen by the rebellion force to feed their army. Yeah, I, she was pretty smart to figure it out. You know, she had seen one of, well, I guess seeing one of Kinemon's allies kind of would give it away. But for her to then extrapolate and say, you must be doing this to feed a lot of allies. Like, that's pretty cool. That's that's nice. Suru is no dummy, that's for sure. Yeah, and then the uh, the little, like, almost I'm Spartacus moment that happens afterwards was, it was kind of touching. It was good to see the, the town stand up for one of their own. I don't know if that's going to end well for them, but it's nice to see. Yeah, definitely a very cool moment. Hold'em doesn't exactly seem like the uh, forgiving type. I wouldn't be either if I had a lion in my tummy. Even so, I don't think that's going to end well for those villagers. No, it's, it's a shame that their, their fall is apparently going to come right after this great uh, income they got. I hope they end up all right. It would really suck for uh, Kinemon and the boys, but Kinemon in particular, to defeat Kaido, take back their homeland, and then it turns out Kinemon's wife is dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... Someone's gonna save them, right? Uh, I don't know who is still left back there to do it, but... It's Beppo. Maybe. Maybe Sewer's strong. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's Beppo. Oh, no doubt. Beppo's strongest man alive. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that's the last thing that happens before we cut back to the scabbards. They've decided that they're just gonna go by themselves, do or die time. See what happens. The nine of them versus, according to Orochi, 30,000 people. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'm sure they can all take on around 3,000 each. Easy. Especially Momonosuke. He's a buff guy. He can turn into a dragon, so... Very small, very cute, very pink. That's all you need in One Piece. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right. 
anything else you would like to say on uh, the anime before we move on to the news? Uh, the one last thing that I kind of wanted to say was that the music in Wano has just been phenomenal. Oh, yes. I love it because it's it's like that and the color are the two biggest changes from the manga to the anime for me. I understand that they also, like, obviously it moves, but the color and the sound, that's that's huge. And the music in, in Wano has just been so good. It sets the atmosphere and the tone perfectly. Agreed. And to go back to what you were saying about colors, I was blown away. Like, as soon as the episode opened... And we saw like the the port of Habu where Orochi was leaving from. The different colors, the leaves, and his multicolored boat, and all that stuff. Oh yeah, the animation has been on point, and and those colors they just pop. Indeed. Now we haven't seen too much motion these last couple episodes, so they've mostly been like exposition. Yeah. But as soon as these fights actually begin, that's where we're really gonna shine. Once the action starts. Oh yeah, we got a lot to look forward to. Oh yes. That's all I have on the anime. All right. Time to cut into the news segment. Got a couple things on the old agenda for today. The first one on my list here is that Funimation is putting out more dub episodes, what they call Season 11 Voyage 3, which covers episodes 655 through 667, or about to be released for digital purchase on the 26th of January. Then they'll be on Funimation streaming service starting on uh, February 16th. That is towards the beginning of Dress Rosa, starting the Corita Coliseum bits. So that's very exciting for dub fans, no doubt. Then there was a little interview done on a Japanese TV show the other day. I think it was literally yesterday as of recording this. So Saturday the 23rd, I think. Oda's editor went on a TV show and gave a brief interview in which he stated that Oda's ending, Oda's uh, desired ending for the series, actually will not change even if someone were to guess what the ending is, which is news because it is in contradiction to something else that Oda said a couple of years ago, where uh, if a plot point is guessed by a fan on uh, social media or whatever, if Oda sees it, he will then change that plot point. But I guess that does not apply to the actual ending of the series. So that's fascinating. It is. But I respect it. Like, you, he's been working towards this for a long time. The, the thing that it makes me wonder is, does that mean that someone out there has guessed it? Has he seen this and he's now just like, okay, never mind. <laughs> if it happens, it's, it's going to still happen. It does kind of make you wonder if, indeed, there was a need for this clarification. Maybe someone did guess it and they're kind of trying to cover their bases to cover up what they said a couple of years back. Yeah, but, uh, but like that that would only draw more attention to it right now, which I'm sure they don't want. Indeed. Plus, like, in the grand scheme of things, who really cares what somebody said in a forum or wherever somebody guessed it, right? Oh, of course. Unless they, if they hadn't drawn attention to it here, odds are most people wouldn't know. That's what I'm saying. It's just weird. Agreed. And then the last bit of news for today is that as of this past weekend's report... One Piece has sold over 480 million copies worldwide. I had not heard that. That's rather impressive. Indeed. That puts Oda as the number 12 best-selling fiction author of all time, according to this chart on Wikipedia that I will uh, put a link to in the description of the video. And the number 5 best-selling comic series 
just under Batman at 484 million. Wow. That's that's cool. I mean, Oda and One Piece do deserve to be with these frankly these giants. Like it just makes sense. The three people directly above Oda on this chart, all floating at about 500 million, are Dr. Seuss. Wow. J.K. Rowling mm. and Gilbert Patton. I don't know who Gilbert Patton is, but I'm assuming he is on the same level as J.K. Rowling and Dr. Seuss. Yeah, those are some big names. Way to go, Oda. Indeed. And then the, since it's just, he's number five on the other list. The uh, other comets he is below are in ascending order. So Oda's number five. Uh, number four is Batman, like I said, with 484 million. Just above that is Superman Comets with 541 million, X-Men with 563 million, and number one best-selling comic series is Spider-Man with 649. Yeah, I kind of expected Spider-Man to be at the top of that <laughs> list. Indeed. I wasn't sure if like if I just like trying to list them at a guess would have put Spider-Man up there, but definitely would have expected him being in the top five for sure. Mm-hmm. People love that Peter Parker. Indeed. And it goes without saying, but One Piece has long been the best-selling manga of all time for some time. Not even close. Yeah. I mean, it's been going on for so long, and it's always been in, like, the highest position. Pretty much. Well, not always, but for for quite some time. I don't know offhand when it, like, got to be the number one selling. But definitely has been for as many years as I've been keeping track. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's all the news I have for today. Anything you would like to say before we move on to the read segment? Uh, no, I'm ready to jump on in. All right. Going into the reread segment, covering manga chapters 31 through 45. That is the end of the Kuro arc, going into the start of the Barati arc. Take it away. I think last time where we ended was kind of before the main fighting bit sort of happened of this arc. And I don't know, I kind of kind of breezed through it, not going to lie, but I thought it was kind of silly that, like, when Siam did his moves, like, yes, they were named after cat things and they were cat-like. And then Butchie shows up and does a cat strike and a catapult, which is just a big old stomp. Has nothing to do with cats at all. Very good. Did not appreciate that the first time around. <laughs> now, I didn't go back and check. But it wouldn't surprise me if those were uh, changes made in the English version. I would not be at all surprised if Oda had decided to name their attacks after cat things. Right. But I don't think that's the case in this particular scenario. <laughs> Plus, like, nothing about their abilities is specifically cat-like. No. They just dress like cats. Yeah. And so that's their aesthetic. Yep. Yep. It's It's goofy. I've been reading the SBSs a little bit more thoroughly than I did the first time around, for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. On one of them, it may have even been for that chapter with the CM and Butchie fight, but uh, someone asks how many kinds of devil fruit there are and what kinds are going to show up in the future. Oda responds by saying that there are over 100 out there. I was just wondering when you think we passed 100 devil fruit powers known to us. Uh... Don't think so. Don't think we're even close. You don't think so? Uh-uh. Let's say that, like, five Devil Fruit users appear per arc. It's sometimes more or less than that. 
I, I don't think we're close. I'm inclined to go look it up right now. I mean, if you consider, like, Whitebeard's crew and the Revolutionary Army and the people in Impel Down and, they're, like, Funkfried or whatever, like, you really don't think that we've hit 100 yet? I really don't. Hmm. Okay, I'd be interested to look that up at some point. I'm going to look it up right now. Oh, hold on. Oh, shit. Devil Fruit Count Chart, right on the wiki. It's got three boxes. One is canon, right? So those are all the ones that appear in the manga, mm -hmm. as well as the anime. Non-canon, which I assume is like filler arcs Movie. and movies and that kind of thing. And then I guess he mentions four different ones in SBS segments. Okay. So those are listed separately as well. But canon Devil Fruits, mm -hmm. 133. Non-canon, an additional 44. It says three total SBS, but I'm looking at the chart and it adds up to four. So I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one of them started in an SBS and was later actually revealed in canon? Maybe? Maybe. Um, but counting canon, non-canon, and the three, I guess, SBS ones. 185. So almost 200 if you include the non-canon ones. There you go. So, like, I wonder... I wonder how much he was downplaying it at the time and how much he was just like, I don't know, I'm just going to say something a little bit vague and probably close. Hope for the best. I mean, even if he never introduced a hundred devil fruits in the series, he can always just say, oh, there were this many more that just like random dudes in the East Blue or whatever. Oh, no doubt. Had. No doubt. But... I don't know. Just thought it was interesting. Agreed. My goodness, how embarrassing it is to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so adamant, like, no way yep. were there over 100. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but we didn't pass 100 all that recently if we're only at 133 canon. So, like, it wasn't absurd for you to think that, but your uh, tenacity in it was pretty good. <laughs> Indeed. I was so sure and then mm -hmm. so wrong. <laughs> Plus, it's not even counting... Smiles, I assume. Oh, good point. I would think that if it was counted in this chart, uh, they would have their own separate section. Very good point. Oh, it even specifically says, this chart excludes artificial devil fruits. Okay. There you go. Right on. Then moving on from that, SBS. I definitely didn't appreciate Onion and Pepper and Carrot the first read-through, but, like, they hold their own, and they, I don't know, they deserve some respect for that. It was actually a little bit scary to see them fight Django because I was just like these are literal children and a sickly woman fighting this deranged man a man that can throw two circle blade things and chop down a whole line of trees with no effort right that's terrifying and they're going after him with baseball bats shovels and frying pans good thing he's an idiot he really is it's <laughs> fantastic in another SBS, I saw that Oda said that his goatee was originally a mushroom that he ate the cap off of. <laughs> so, he's just nasty and gross, and I'm glad that they hit him in the crotch. Couldn't agree more. The moral of this story, and I think every story, is fuck Django. Exactly. <laughs> it was also really pretty great to see, like, the birth of Zoro's respect for Usopp. In this arc, like, it, it is immediate, in my opinion, that he recognizes what Usopp can do. 
Like there's there's a panel where Usopp is just he's adamant about protecting the kids. Zoro and Luffy notice, and it's what makes the battle kind of turn tide almost. But that stays true throughout the whole series. Like a lot of people downplay Usopp, but I don't think Zoro ever really does. I agree. Like a running theme among the Straw Hat dynamic. They really hit the nail on the head with this with Sanji comments on it in uh, Eni's lobby when he says to Usopp, I'll do what you can't do and you do what I can't do. That statement kind of forms the backbone of the Straw Hat dynamic. Yeah, but more than that, I guess what I'm trying to say is Usopp's part of the coward trio, right? Mm -hmm. But even here at the start, Zoro, who is by a lot of people argued to be like the second strongest, maybe third, who knows? He respects Usopp's like tenacity, his drive here. He sees this hidden thing in him where like Usopp has lived this life where the whole town just kind of, they seem like they'd rather not have him there. Obviously we see that change in a few chapters, but like he's been not necessarily an outcast, but he hasn't been ever anyone's favorite person. And Zoro shows up and he respects, him right off the bat like no wonder Usopp joins the crew it just it makes so much sense to me couldn't agree more that's great uh and then like you said with the whole you know I'll do what you can't do um I very much appreciated that Zoro did not go and take care of Django himself Mm -hmm. he cut the branch that allowed Usopp to take the shot like that's it's one of my favorite moments in the franchise yeah it's so simple and yet so well done Mm mm-hmm also really solidifies Jango's position as a swishy, swishy man. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be shot by Usopp personally, but he does go down immediately. Generally speaking, those attacks by Usopp don't do any meaningful damage to anybody. I'm sure there are exceptions aside from Jango, but by and large, they're not the most damaging attack. <laughs> are these not his, like, some sort of exploding thing? Are they just kind of... Uh, the ones he used on Jango definitely exploded, but... uh. Even the exploding ones generally don't do that much against yeah. most of foes. Yeah, you're right. That does prove that he was just fighting kids, and that's the only reason <laughs> he lasted so long. Once again, moral of the story, fuck Jango. Mm-hmm. Also, couldn't agree with Nami more that these two lads, Luffy and Zoro, need to learn how to eat their fish. Apparently Zoro just eats the bones? Uh, yeah. You don't? All of he eats all of them. <laughs> Can't let it go to waste, man. There's a lot of protein in those bones. That's true. He, he should be best friends with Sanji. It turns out exactly. Not good friends with Brooke. No, no. You better watch <laughs> his back. Indeed. Oh man. Sanji considers uh, Chopper to be the emergency rations. Zoro considers Brooke to be the emergency rations. Yeah, and that <laughs> I think. Honestly, as much as I like Sanji, I think that kind of asserts dominance in this situation. Poor Sanji. He's had it rough. (laughs) Yeah, not as rough as Usopp, it turns out. Yeah, he got roughed up real bad. Well, also as a kid, his life was just so sad. Oh, I'd forgotten his origin story where he, like, why he was screaming about the pirates all the time. Mm -hmm, Mm Mm-hmm. Poor boy, poor lad. His lies about the pirates were wishful thinking, in a manner of speaking. Oh, it, it hurts, because he can't, how old, well, I don't know if they said how old he was when his mother died, but he couldn't be more than 
around eight or so. That would be my guess. Yeah. So I feel for him. It was good to see his crew take up his banner. But on that same page where Usopp's hired crew starts running into town, it shows the Straw Hats all having a celebratory drink on the Mary. And I just wanted to point out that Usopp is double fisting <laughs> while Zoro, the like alcoholic of the crew, basically, only has one. So that may also, like, depending on how strict the laws on Syrup Village were, that may literally be Usopp's first alcoholic beverage for all we That's know. That's a good point. He's not that old. Mm -mm. I think Usopp. Ooh. Yeah, he's going to have a bad day 17. tomorrow. 17. Yeah, it's not going to be a good day for him tomorrow. But uh, he still manages to hit that rock with his cannon, so that's pretty impressive for him. It is almost as impressive as his logo painting skills. Indeed. Now, before we move on to the Barati, I did have a couple things I wanted to say about the Kuro arc just as a whole. Um, and one like, specific thing I wanted to ask if you had noticed. Okay, bring it on. Remember the guy that uh, Django hypnotized into believing that he was the one that captured Kuro? Uh, yes, I do. Did you recognize that guy? Uh, the one that, the, the Marine? Mm-hmm. Was that Smoker? Nope. Oh, then no. That was Captain Morgan, Helmeppo's father. That was Big Morgan. man with his at's hand. Okay, okay, he did have... Like some cuts on his face, I think, which... Well, the main thing is that uh, Kuro smashed in his jaw, and then when That's he's... That's what it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now when he's a big man Marine, he's got that metal one to replace it. Okay. Okay. Thank you for pointing out that little, little detail. Just fascinating to me that, like, the thing that led to Captain Morgan's rise to fame was a lie. <laughs> he's yeah. got this big head over his accomplishments that didn't actually happen. Yeah, but he doesn't know that it didn't happen, I guess. Mm -mm. As far as he's concerned, he definitely was the one that captured Captain Kuro. Wow, so he's still hypnotized to this day, and I guess. I guess so. Yeah, bummer. I wonder how he'll react when, like, well, I don't know, because uh, uh, the Marines didn't actually gather up the Black Hat Pirates at the end of this arc. They just kind of sailed away, so news that Kuro was actually alive probably hasn't hit the streets yet. Doubtful, yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention, and this also kind of harkens back to uh, the buggy arc as well, is that it seems to me at least that these early villains that Oda is pitting Luffy against are being specifically catered to showcase the kind of pirate that Luffy wants to be, right? Take, for example... Buggy the Clown. One of Buggy's primary character traits is that he believes in material treasure. To Buggy, treasure is gold, jewels, silver, whatever, you know, actual cash money type things, things that are of literal monetary value, right? Mm -hmm. But a heavy theme in that arc is Luffy's ideal of personal treasure, right? Yep. So to Luffy, that's his hat. But he, like, pairs Luffy up with Choo Choo, whose personal treasure was the pet food store that he and his owner had run before he had died. And then after that, the one remaining piece of it, the bots of dog food. And the reason that Luffy felt such a kinship, at least in my view, with uh, that dog is because they have a similar outlook on these kinds of things, even though it's, again, a dog. Yeah. 
And then in a similar vein, Kuro, he's not a pirate anymore, pretty much, but when he was running his crew, his mindset is that the role of his crew is to be his literal pawns, right? Mm-hmm. He believes that his crew should live and die by his word for his plans, which just opposes against Luffy, who again has that ideal I was mentioning earlier, where uh, it's more of a, a team effort, more than like Luffy's word is the end all be all, you know? So I just think it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. I'll, I'll even sort of raise you on both of those points. Another, <gasps> yeah, I know, surprise. But like, for it, you brought up contrast, and another perfect example with Buggy is that Buggy always tries to take the easy path. Like, he knows the One Piece is out there, but he's going after Captain John's, the lesser-known treasure. Like, he became a warlord so that he could abuse his power and do nothing while still being in control. That's the exact opposite of Luffy. Luffy will basically choose the more difficult path just because he can. That's the more fun. Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And also with Kuro, Kuro is the man with a thousand plans or whatever and i don't know if luffy ever has a plan so it is contradiction upon contradiction i guess and luffy even says like going off that point that even though kuro is the man with a thousand plans luffy's plan is still bigger than his because he's going after the big one (laughs) right yeah 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 that's true i guess luffy has one plan as opposed to Many times. It's not a very detailed plan right now, but he's got a goal at least. Keep it vague. You're more likely to accomplish it, right? Mm-hmm. And this will continue to be true, and we'll talk about it when the Don Krieg and Arlong arcs have concluded. I just wanted to bring that up as a kind of a capstone on our Kuro conversation. Yeah, no, that's nice. That's good. And then we move on to the, well, before we get to the Barati, we run into Iron Fist full body. Indeed. Everyone's favorite man. Yeah, just the best. Love <laughs> to see him. Real good. Uh, Luffy needs to work on his aim a little bit, but he gets plenty of practice in the future. Yeah, they really like shooting that guy with cannonball for some reason. Yeah, I mean, eh, he, he looks like an easy target. He keeps jumping in front of him. <laughs> we don't get much of the Barati for how much we decided to read through this week, but in one panel... Iron Fist Full Body says that he will put a bug in the soup from his own personal collection. I also thought that was strange. (laughs) How many bugs does this man have? Why is he carrying them? I think the two options are that either Full Body is just an avid fan of bugs. He just has a collection that he likes to keep on his person at all times. Mm -hmm. Or he carries around several to get back at smart alice to try and make him look bad in front of his woman maybe he's just smelly and he has these flies around him all the time and he grabbed it out of the air and put it in his suit yeah that like metal thing that he has strapped on his hand can't be very sanitary so and he's got a case of the the stink hand it's no good disgusting moving on (laughs) yeah thankfully sanji puts him in his place we get to see sort of what the the barati is about you know, just a bunch of rowdy dudes, but Sanji pulls through and he feeds a man who is just kind of down on his luck. A bit more than down on his luck. I don't know <laughs> if he should have taken pity on him. Like, he is Yeah, a... I don't think describing Jin as just a man down on his luck 
is a. <laughs> I think that might be a little bit disingenuous. Yeah, he does work for Don Krieg, so forget that. Yeah, he's like Don Creed's number one guy. <laughs> he's like called the demon or something because of how much he loves killing people. So, uh, eh. yeah, no, but a bit of hyperbole on my part there. But regardless, Sanji does kind of put himself above the rest of the crew that we see at the Barathi by giving Jin food. He doesn't care. He'll accept the consequences. He knows he can do it. Uh, and he thinks that no matter who you are, you, should, you shouldn't have to go hungry. Blasted Sanji. Knocked an old metal man starved to death. Yeah. We got, we got Sanji. Actually, we haven't even seen Sanji sort of do his thing yet. We just kind of flashed to it already having been done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you have anything in these 15 chapters here? The only other thing I had written down was how the early bits of the Bharati arc are just filled to the brim with like small comedy moments. Oh yeah. Like, uh, for example, and these are out of order, of course, Luffy, like breaking dishes in the background while <laughs> the cooks are talking <laughs> about Sanji. Yeah. He's been instructed to wash them, but he has broken every single one. And when yeah. asked about it, how many dishes have you broke? He's like, Oh man, I forgot to keep track. <laughs> it's so good. Classic Luffy. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> and and the little comment after uh, after Zeph asks for one of his legs and Luffy says, I'm not Buggy the Clown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this man knows nothing about Buggy. But Yeah, Zeph's like, I don't know who that is, but you don't, well, you kind of do look like a clown to me. Yeah, for sure. Not in the way he was thinking. <laughs> yeah, uh, Luffy tried to slip that booger in Zoro's drink mm-hmm. and... Zoro's no dummy. He notices it and shoves it right back in his own mouth. Yeah, and then Luffy has the audacity to say, why would you do that? <laughs> what a guy. Just the last little comedy bit that I had written down here. was uh, Sanji and Patty are beating up people, talking a lot of trash. But all Zeph, the owner of this restaurant, cares about is how they're breaking his furniture. <laughs> Classic Zeph. He's got... Mind on the money, and money on the mind, that guy. Jin didn't have any money, and shares cost it, so I get it. <laughs> Fair enough. But, uh, yep, just those couple little funny moments I wanted to reminisce about. That was the last bit I had. That's a good chunk of chapters. Maybe I'll, I'll try to get a few more in for next our next discussion. At a certain point, I'm just going to go buck wild with it and read too many but i'll try to uh (laughs) try to reserve myself please do all right as we go ahead and wrap it up here the manga should return next weekend the 31st so we'll be talking about manga chapter 1002 and anime episode 960 and uh recapping manga chapters who knows we'll figure it out anything else you would like to say before we move on Nope, I'm good to end it here. All right. You have a good one. You as well.